Really glad you're here. Family series, kind of low-key. We're going to talk about David and his family a little bit today. Uh, some of the seasons that we go through, some of the, the fields, I'll call them a field because David was in the field. Some of the fields we go through, we, we, we see some different things, we experience different things. So it's, it's not just to high school or college graduates, it's to uh, people smaller, small people, you know, uh, Selah's age and, and, and uh, Jonah's age and, and Judah's age and, and your kids' age. And we go through a different season all the time. And, and we're in those seasons, we're going to face some giants. And then uh, the Lord gives us the victory on the way out. And so we, we have to face these giants kind of head on. We'll talk about that today. And I'll try to kind of bring you through a little bit of the history of the life of, of David and some of the giants that he faced. He didn't just face Goliath. He faced other giants. And so uh, let's, let's, let's look at that. Let's read the scripture and then we'll, we'll pray. Uh, we're going to read out of 1 Samuel 16, bounce around a little bit. We're not taking anything out of context. We're just kind of simplifying the message a little bit today. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Saul, Saul uh, didn't obey God. He fell. Uh, he became prideful, became arrogant, became jealous, all those things. And so God said he repented that he would make Saul king. Uh, so Samuel's grieving uh, because the king has gone south. Uh, and so God's like, wait a second, let me step in here. How long have you grieved over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears that he will kill me? And the Lord said, take a heifer and with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed before him. In fact, he looked at Eliab of Indadam and Shammah, and then the Bible says, and he says, don't look at his appearance or his height or his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, all right? Saul was tall, dark, and handsome. Uh, Eliab was tall, dark, and handsome. He says, but I look on the heart. And the God looks on his heart still today. He doesn't care what you look like. He cares about your heart, okay? And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your sons? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep out in the field. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Give me our main screen, if you will, Anthony. So you have a field, you have a giant, and you have a, a victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for, uh, Lord, your word. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for graduation. We thank you for the baseball players. Thank you for visitors and guests. We thank you for our, our regular attenders. And we just pray in Jesus' name that you would open all of our hearts to hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray And the church said Amen. It's a continuum. It's a basis of life that we walk through. You could represent field or season. There are different seasons or fields of our life that we get into. Every field has a giant, and every giant has a victory. We have to figure it out. If we don't get the victory over the giant, then we remain in that field for an extended period of time, probably longer than what the Lord would uh, wish for us or expect from us. So he gives us a field. It could be a, it could be a baseball field. It could be away for the summer for 
the first time or for the fourth time. It doesn't matter. There's a, there's a field. It could be there are graduates moving on to master's class or college for the first time or into a season of, of working. It could be a job change. It could be a job promotion. It could be all these things. It could be, it could be married. Hey, by the way, we have a brand new married couple in church today. Kobe and Mahala, stand for a second. God bless you. We just got, they just got married on Wednesday. So congratulations. <laughs> we honor you as well. Praise the Lord. It could be married for the very first time, right? It could just be all these things. So there's a field that you have. I want to take you through the process in David's life on how he ended up in a field. He faced a giant and how he got victory over that. The first field was literally the field. He was a shepherd. David uh, is out in the field. He's not invited to the party. Seven sons uh, uh, troop before Samuel, and Samuel doesn't recognize any of them after the first one. He, he kind of wants to call Eli about, but he's not. That's not his, uh, that's not God's guy. And we look sometimes at people, and I'm sure, Coach, you do, if the pitcher looks like he's 6'5 and 240, left-handed and throws 98 miles an hour, let's sign him, right? Let's, I mean, we can work with that, right? But if a guy's like 5'5 five, five and 155 pounds, and right-handed and throws 80 miles an hour, and we're not sure we can use him, although if he's got a heart, maybe there's something there. By the way, I throw about 62 y yesterday. If you need me, I'm, I'm around. You, you want me after the fireballer because <laughs> I say that every year. I have yet to get a call. 14 years I've been saying this, and he hasn't called me yet. Oh, one, one time he did call me. He asked if I was in the park. I said, yeah. I told Janie, I said, I think Coach might need me. He said, no, he needed me to rent his car and get something for him. <laughs> Have you ever been, so the giant where, where David is as the shepherd in the field, his giant is he's overlooked. Have you ever felt overlooked? Have you ever been in that place where, well, my goodness, it's not, you know, it, he's, it's just David. He's in the field. And, he, and he's the youngest of eight, which I can totally relate to because I'm the youngest of eight. Any babies in the house? Any, like, you're the youngest in your family? Would you stand if you're the youngest in your family for a moment? Just, I want to see how many young people stand. Look at that. And you're not afraid to admit it. I love that. Look at that. Thank you. Thank you, youngest, for, for standing. I, in my family, our, our, our family is very artistic, and they're like, they're like big-time artists, very successful artists. And, and I, can, I can draw a pretty good stick figure. You know, I'm, I'm not too bad at that. You, you wouldn't know for sure what it was, but I could draw a pretty good stick figure. And, and sometimes you feel like when you're the youngest or when you're in a position, maybe you're not the youngest, but you're the newest. Maybe you're the, you're the newest person on the job side, or maybe you're the, you're the, you're, you graduate here, but now you're a low person there, you know, it's always, you go to middle school, you're here, and then you go to high school, you're there, you graduate high school, you're here, you go to college there, you go to graduate college here, and then maybe you're going to go to master's school, or maybe you're going to get a job, or those things, and then you go to, maybe you're the star on the baseball team back home, now you come to Hickory, North Carolina, and you're, you're trying to find yourself again, and life is full of this, okay, and sometimes we feel overlooked. But what David did to battle the giant of being overlooked is he didn't let it bother him. He remained innocent. 
in the field when he was a shepherd is when he wrote most of his psalms. He wrote Psalms 23 when he was out in the field. He learned how to play the harp out in the field. He learned to become a warrior out in the field. Sometimes God positions us for things that we're not prepared for, and he knows he's got to prepare us here to make us ready for over here. The things that got us here won't necessarily get us there. And so God's got to prepare us ahead of time, all right? And by the way, sometimes you'll outgrow the people that you grew up with. That's just a fact of life. You're, if you're continuing to go through fields and beat giants and get victories and go on to the next field and beat giants and get victories, you're going to outgrow some people in your life. You're gonna, they're going to be like, wow, is that so-and-so? Do they really, are they like that way? Do they, do they overcome the odds and the obstacles that were against them to be this person? Now, yes, they did. Why? Because what God set up for them, they walked through and they got the victory over it and they moved forward in Jesus' name. The victory is yours in the name of Jesus. And so David's in the field. They call him, or they don't call him, and then they do call him, but he remains innocent. He, he goes down, and the first field is that he's a, he's a shepherd, but his victory is innocent. The second field he goes to is there's an anointing. Now... Now Saul or uh, Samuel is going to anoint him. And the Bible says that when he was anointed, and this is a recognition anointing. This is like, hey, I know you got something, you got the goods, you're maybe not there yet, but we know it, we recognize you. It's a recognition anointing. When my wife was 12 years old, she was anointed to be a worship leader. Now she wasn't the worship leader then that she is now. She's not as sensitive to the Spirit then as she is now. She's not experienced as a worship leader then as she is now. But there was a recognition there. And so you might be recognized as a good ball player. You might be recognized as a good candidate for a job. But there, there's going to be things that take place when you're recognized or when you're anointed. All of a sudden, people start to belittle you. David's family started to belittle, belittle them. Where are you? Why are you here? You, would, you shouldn't be with those few sheep. And we understand that when David went down to, to kill uh, Goliath, he wasn't planning on killing Goliath. He was planning on watching his brothers kill Goliath. He was taking cheese and bread to his brothers at his father's request. Now, in my mind, it wasn't just cheese and bread. It was grilled cheese sandwiches with a thermos of tomato soup. When Janie makes the best grilled cheese, not overdone, not too much cheese, but really enough, and no ham or bacon or anything in there, just grilled cheese. And I'm a dunker. Anybody dunks? You dunk the grilled cheese? Oh, man. About to have church right now. <sighs> I just need a second. Okay, I'm better. Grilled cheese and tomato soup. It's my favorite lunch. It's my favorite dinner. I can even have them for breakfast. David's taking cheese and bread down to his brothers, thinking they're going to kill Goliath. I'm going to be there to watch. My dad's make, having me do this, not making me, he's having me do it. He gets down there, and his brothers start to belittle him. Why? Because he's already been anointed, recognized as king. And they're thinking, why aren't you in the field watching those few sheep? And they're kind of, they're rattling on him. And I think this happens in life. When we get a little notoriety or we get a little recognition, all of a sudden, people around us start to belittle us. And sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's the family of coworkers. Sometimes it's just a family of friends. Sometimes it's a community. Sometimes it's a sports group or a sports league. But all of a sudden, we're in this field. We get recognized a little bit, and not everybody's excited for you. 
Not everybody's on your team. Not everybody desires to build you up the way, and, you're, and you didn't ask for it. You just got recognized. This is not something that you went out for. You've been recognized, but all of a sudden, people are kind of downing you a little bit. This is, this is the way life is. So what happens? How, how, does, he get, how does he get out of that, that situation? Well, he gets the head off Goliath. See, in, in this story where David kills Goliath and cuts his head off, he takes five stones with him, but the stones simply knock Goliath out. He takes Goliath's sword and chops the head off. And I think there's a message here. I think the message is this, that you can't let people get into your head if God's in your heart. There's confusion that takes place. There's conflict there. And then you have to start quoting scripture because the, the word of God is what? A two-edged sword. It's its own sword, all right? And so when people say that you're not enough, you know that God says you are enough. When people say that you're not worthy, you know that God says you are worthy. When people say that you are weak, you know that you're strong in Christ Jesus. Come on, church. You know that God has these things planned out for you and the giant that you're, that you're defeating isn't an actual person. It's the spirit that works in people because there's a belittling there that takes place because even in our own mind, sometimes we think, am I good enough to do this job? Am I good enough to handle this promotion? Am I smart enough to take on this business? Am I smart enough to be able to figure this thing out? And maybe you're not, but Christ in you is. Maybe you're not good enough. Come on, give it up for the Lord real quick. He's worthy. He's worthy. And our church, we're full of small business owners, and I applaud them. We're full of teachers. By the way, can we get it for our teachers finishing this last school year? Thank you, teachers. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for educating our young ones. Thank you for controlling them. <laughs> we went to a couple of graduation ceremonies this past week, and they were so beautiful. Um, one was... Uh, for six-year-olds and one was for four-year-olds. <laughs> Unbelievable how those teachers were able to corral those kids uh, together. Uh, thank you, teachers. Honestly, thank you for if you're homeschool, private school, public school, however, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. We have doubts in our mind. Uh, the enemy will bring doubts to us. I told this recently to, to a friend. Sometimes your heart has to tell your head to shut up. You, you know who you are in your heart. You know that God loves you. You know that you love God. Don't let doubt enter in. You got to cut the head off the enemy, and that's what David did. That allowed him to move to the next level. Then when the next level, then he becomes a servant. He, now listen, when he cut the head off of Goliath, technically he tried on Saul's armor, remember that? And he didn't fit, he didn't want it, he wanted a slingshot and five stones. And so then his family was going to be tax-free for the rest of their life. How many would like to be tax-free for the rest of your life? Like, come on. That, that'll preach right there, right? And so Saul said, whoever kills Goliath, his family is tax-free the rest of his life, their life, and they get to marry one of my daughters. So a while later, just a few chapters later, Saul's like, hey, give me, bring me that boy that plays the harp. Like he acts like he forgets who David was. So he's a servant, so David's next field is that of servant, but the giant he faces is jealousy. Listen, if God starts to promote you, there will be jealous people around you. 
There's going to be people that want, they're out to get you. They want to sabotage you. They want to knock you back down. And Saul, we know Saul was jealous because of two things. One, the ladies in camp would sing, Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And at the dinner table, Saul tried to kill David twice with a spear across the table. Now listen, father-in-laws, that's not the way you're supposed to treat your son-in-laws. Come here, boy, have a seat. <laughs> Landon, sit down. <laughs> Josh, sit down right here. <laughs> Woof. Throw a spear at him. No, that's not what happens. So we know that he didn't forget his name. He's trying to exercise authority over him. He's trying to exercise power over him. He's jealous of what he's, rather than say, hey, I, man, I helped David become David. I'm excited David is, is killing. I'm excited David has set Israel free from the Philistines. I'm excited David is living in our house. I'm excited that David's marrying my daughter. He said, hey, bring that boy who prays the harp because he was full of anxiety. It was full of fear. What about my kingdom? Whenever we think something is ours, we're in trouble. Whenever we take a weird kind of ownership of it, we've lost it. It's not ours. It's God's. Our talent isn't ours. It's God's. Our ability isn't ours. It's God's. Our favor isn't ours. It's God's. And when we recognize this is God, you know, I wish God would have made me 6'5 and 245. I wish it so bad, but I'm not. I am who I am by the grace of God. God, I'm sorry, but all this is yours. <laughs> no, God, you're so good. There's a jealousy. That, so how did David beat the spirit of jealousy? Listen, this is critical. If you don't get anything out of this message, grab this. He honored Saul. He honored the very person that was jealous against him and tried to kill him. He brought honor to him. When, in fact, when Saul died, David was like, hey, how, how'd he die? And so the man tells him how he died. It wasn't, it wasn't he, he said that he, he drove a sword through him. He said, you weren't afraid to kill the God's anointed? And so he had that guy killed. Listen, and while he's still honoring Saul, Saul's dead. And then he brings in Mephibosheth a couple years after that. Is there anybody left of Jonathan's household? In the culture of the day would have been this, the new king actually kills all the family members of the old king, all right, because they don't want anybody with that bloodline to rise up and form a war down the road on, on his family. But he calls Mephibosheth in. Mephibosheth thinks he's going to die. He's, he's paralyzed from the waist down because of an accident that happened when he was five years old. He got trampled on, and so he's been paralyzed ever since. They bring Mephibosheth in. He thinks he's going to die, and he, he invites him to the table and says, whatever is mine is yours. I'm going to give all the land back. You're Saul's grandson. Son, your 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 Jonathan's son. I love those guys. I honor them. Listen, if someone is jealous to you or about you, the best thing you can do is continue to honor God, honor what God has for you. And if they're if they're ahead of your life, if they're a leader in your life, you honor them. Promotion comes from God, anyways. Promotion don't come from man. Promotion comes from God, or it's fake. It's phony. Are you with me? So then the next field, so he gets the victory over it. David is increasing. You know, first he's in the field, and now he's innocent, and then he, he beats the giant, and now he's anointed, and then he, he beats that. He, he, he walks through that. He, he, he doesn't let his brothers get in his head, and now he's walking into this new field of a servanthood, and I, I honor our people today. I'll tell you, the, the servers in our church, I would I was, just, I was praying this week and thinking this week. I was telling my wife just on some of the servers. And we have great servers. Can we give it up for all of our serve teams, first of all? Our servers in our church, I think, do a wonderful job. Thank you. 
Thank you for the nursery. Thank you for children's, our youth. Thank you for all of our greets. Thank you for serving. But I, I just want to single out for a moment those that were in worship team. Worship, our worship team's amazing. Off the charts, the first service, second service, just as, I mean, just amazing. But our media team, like the people that serve in our media team, you know, like they're general managers of major corporations. We have CFOs that sit on our media team that are vice presidents of multi-million dollar companies. We have uh, people in our media department that are facility managers for trillion dollar companies. I mean, these guys are private contractors, they're educated, and they're changing batteries on Sunday morning. I mean, they're flipping the screens on, and if we, and if we got an issue, we're, I'm, look, look, I'm looking back there, and there's three or four people running around trying to get something figured out. These guys are not only leaders of major industries, they're also servants, and that's, and that's, can we applaud them as well, because that's a big, big deal. That's a big, big thank you, guys. Seriously, thank you. And listen, they don't like to be called out. I could say the same thing about our board. I could say the same thing about our, our spouses on our team. I could say that about a lot of people. It's, it's amazing what God is doing at Grace Church as far as servanthood goes. Thank you again for serving. There's a church in Nashville, Tennessee. Jenny and I have been there a couple times. It's a really cool church. It's called The Belonging Company. Uh, Alex and Henry Sheely are the pastors. And Henry Sheely is a Grammy Award winning record producer. They started the church 10 years ago with 30 people in their living room. They're around 10,000 today. And they attract superstars. Just so you know, there's, there's people in their church that are movie producers. The Big Daddy Weave goes there. Record producer. Carrie Job goes there. Cody Carnes goes there. Um, who else? Uh, Danny Goki goes there. Just like, uh, it's a who's who when you're there. And when you go in there, in, in the service, which a lot of people do, you start looking for some of the superstars, and you expect them to be on the platform. You expect them to be singing or part of these different teams. You see them. They're very visible. They're usually at the VIP booth. Or in the nursery, they're hanging out at the front door, giving out the bulletins or, or welcoming people. It's like these superstars have learned something that I want to teach you today. They grow by serving. I mean, they, they're, they're actually serving the local church, even though they have these high-powered, high-visible ministries because they decided, hey, if it's not for the local church, it's not going to work. And David became the servant who honored Saul in such a way that Saul couldn't kill him. It was impossible. So whether you're playing baseball, starting a new season, starting a new field, growing your business, however, when you decide you're going to serve and you're going to honor people at the same time, lights out. Especially in today's world, there's very little honor taking place. There's entitlement. Everything, everybody expects something. Well, you need to give me this. You need to give me that. And there's no honor. So David goes through that cycle and then he ends up the king. And we think as far as being the king, it's the pinnacle. He's made it. It's a done deal. And, and it's true. David gets anointed three different times. He gets recognized as king. He gets, he gets anointed as king for position. And he gets anointed as king as peer, for, by his peers. And so it's a beautiful scenario. It's a beautiful situation. And maybe you've made it. Maybe you're now you're past college graduation, past your master's and postgraduate. Maybe you're in your trade or past your trade, maybe you own a business, and all of a sudden, there's a level of success there. There's another giant that creeps up, and that giant giant is called power and success. 
And David starts to lap into that power and success mode just like Saul did. And if he's not careful, he's going to become Saul. Deuteronomy says this in the 8th chapter, verses 17 and 18. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth and authority and power and, and all those recognition, success, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Listen, we need to remember that when God does bring us up, give us favor, we need to stay humble before him. We need to make sure that if he's given us power or success or wealth or money, that we don't say, hey, I don't need God anymore. I asked a person this morning, and I never heard this statement before. I thought it was hilarious, and I'm going to say it. Uh, <laughs> I said, hey, where's so-and-so? He said, uh, she's, she's got what we call the Baptist bedside. <laughs> She decided to stay in bed rather than come to church today. Don't have the Baptist bedside or whatever you want to call Not downing Baptist. God bless all of our Baptist friends. Not downing anybody. I'm just saying remember, remember God. And if you can get up and go to church, get up and go to church. If you can read the word, get up and read the word. Don't forget your successes come from God. And so David started to think his power was his. You know the story of Bathsheba without going deep into it. David sees Bathsheba. They have an adulterous affair. He has Uriah killed, and then he's trying to figure out, like, he's moving on. So but he ends up marrying Bathsheba. It's like everything's okay. Every king at that time had a prophet, and David's prophet was Nathan. And Nathan comes to him and says, hey, uh, King David, I've got, a, I got an issue. I've got a problem. He said, what is it? He said, well, there's a, there's a sheep herder not too far from here that has thousands of acres, and he's got sheep on all those acres. He's got more sheep than he knows what to do with. And, and David said, yeah. And he said, there's a little sheep herder down the hill that just has a few sheep in a valley. That sheep herder had that shepherd killed so that he could take his sheep. And David was irate. He, he couldn't get over. He couldn't, he couldn't believe it. What, how, how in the world could anybody do that? That's, that's wrong. And Nathan said, David, that man is you. you. You've done that. You've taken Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Come on back, worship team, if you're up here. You've taken, you've taken, you've taken Bathsheba as your wife. Uriah didn't do anything to you. And David was distraught. David was just hurting so badly on, on how this could take place that at that particular time, he wrote Psalms 51. Let me read it to you today, at least in part. David said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. We jump to verse 9. Hide your face from me, my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Stand with me this morning.
You see, I think, church, if we're not careful, we get to a place where we forget that repentance is, is a blessing of God, not a curse. Where we think we're high and mighty, we're bold and beautiful, and we got the world by the tails, and yet it's the Lord that gives us that opportunity. And on Pentecost Sunday, when we see that even David has not the Holy Spirit to withdraw from him, I would challenge you today. In fact, if you would, just close your eyes for a moment. If you're, again, if you're comfortable, just raise your hands up towards the Lord in a form of submission. I'm not going to call you out or ask you to raise your hand. I'm simply going to say, hey, is there anything, is there anything this week, anything this month, anything recently that you've done that maybe you you need to repent of. If you're new to Jesus Christ, if you're new to a relationship with Christ, it's, it's simply saying, Father, forgive me for I have sinned and ask that, Lord, you would place Jesus in my heart and I repent of all my sins. I repent of my wrongdoing. Forgive me, Lord. And I would say we ask that Holy Spirit to continue to draw us. If we're a believer 40 or 50 or 60 years, we never forget it's the Holy Spirit's that draws us to repentance. He brings a spirit of conviction upon us. And during this next song, I would say as you are practicing becoming an overcomer, you're defeating giants in your life, let's not forget that if we get too big, there's a spirit of repentance that comes. Oh, I don't need God. Oh, I don't need church. Oh, I don't need the community. Oh, I don't need this. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm set up. I'm good. I'm ready. That's a dangerous spot to be in because the power and successes that we have aren't ours. They're found in Christ. If you need prayer or if you'd like to just come up to the altar, you can come and pray or you can pray in your seat. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing, but I would say stay in that attitude if you can or if you will. Just have repentance. There's giants at every corner. There's, there's a new season. There's a new field around every bend. But God's given you a way out. And I would say this, the two most things that you could ever ask the Lord and operate in is innocence and repentance. If you remain innocent in every endeavor in life, no matter your age, if you remain repentant in every endeavor of your life, no matter your age, God will honor your heart. Father, we thank you today for your perfect love. We thank you today for your perfect will and your perfect way. We thank you, God, today that you are alive in every person. So we pray, Lord, today, Lord, that you would speak to us if we need to repent. You would speak to us if we need to remain innocent in, in something in our life. If there's something that we've not honored someone, if we've not handled something right, please forgive us. Recognize it as during this next time of worship, Lord, Lord, that we're here today. We're here today for you. We bless you. In Jesus' name.
together for Jesus because he is victorious in this place today. Amen. Amen. Can you appreciate your pastor for bringing today's message and what a powerful message that was. A reminder that the giants in our lives must fall. You know, you've heard that expression, there's an elephant in the room. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, hey, there's something that's kind of unspoken. And I was kind of had this little word picture of, hey, there's like, there's a giant in the room in some of our lives. Maybe in everybody's life, I don't know. But there's a, there's a, a book that Louis Giglio wrote called Goliath Must Fall. And I was checking it out and it said, you know, it is not God's will for you to have a giant oppressing you in your life every day, demoralizing you and bringing you down to less than what God has in store for your life. It is not God's will for you to have to face this giant every day. It's God's plan for you to bring the giant down in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are giants of insecurity. There are giants of fear. There are giants of anger. There are giants of sickness. There are giants of shame that in the name of Jesus need to come down today. Amen. Louis Giglio says this. He said, um, I'm going to read it because I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> it says, the key to living free from our giants is not better slingshot accuracy but keeping our eyes on the one and only giant slayer, Jesus. Amen. David was not alone in the field when he faced his giant. Sure, David killed the Goliath, but he had the power of the Lord with him. He said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. It's not because he was such a good slingshot accuracy, although he was great. It's not because you're so strong. It's not because you're so ambitious, baseball team. It's not because you have so much potential. We can overcome this by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. What I mean by that is we can overcome this through Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. So whatever it is, whatever addiction is in your life, whatever sickness, I don't know if it's your mom's laying down in the hospital bed. I don't know if it's your wife can't get up off the floor. I don't know if it's your, your loneliness and your singleness. Whatever it is that you're facing today and you're just thinking, God, this giant, it's just time for this giant to go. I want to know, I want you to, rem I want to remind you with one promise. It doesn't matter if you're in the field. It doesn't matter if you're living in victory. It doesn't matter if you're facing the giant. The Lord is with you. David said it himself in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, you are with me. So if you're comfortable one last time, I just want you to raise your hands up to the Lord in a posture of just, God, I'm giving this to you, whatever this giant is. It may be way beyond your control, something that has no nothing to do with your self-control, nothing to do with your ability, but you just need God to intervene in your life right now. And I'm just going to put a blessing on you, and in the name of Jesus, we're just going to bring those giants down. And we're going to walk out of here in victory and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for today's message. And I thank you for the life of David that we have as an example. But Lord, I thank you so much for the life of Jesus Christ. That because of the sacrifice on the cross, Lord Jesus, only because of the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross and because of the resurrection, we can walk in victory today. Lord, that is as hard as we can try to overcome everything that stands in our way and everything that doesn't honor you and everything that we need to happen, Lord, we need to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, because you are with us. 
in the middle of the battle and you are with us in the middle of the storm. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. So fill us with your power today to walk out of here in victory, proclaiming the gospel message to everyone that we see. And I pray that you do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Be safe. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.